Welcome to From Fear to Fire, secrets to overcome fear, embrace your gifts, and achieve success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill. I'm thrilled to be back with you again today. And our quote today is by Dave Ramsey. Being generous is the hallmark of people who live successful lives. I am very excited to bring to you an amazing guest. Mark Hirschberg is the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. And at MIT, he received a BS in physics, a BS in electrical engineering and computer science. Uh, oh my goodness, there's so much here at Harvard. You know, okay, we are just going to have to dive in and ask Mark these questions because there's there's so many things that we need to learn about Mark, and I don't want to jip him from being able to tell us firsthand. Mark, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have you on the show. And there are some other things that I didn't want to share in your bio that I can't wait to ask you about, uh, something that we have in common. But before I do, can you share, instead of me rambling off about your incredible background in education and all the different things that you did, why don't you share for our listeners what were the most important parts that really brought you to where you are today? There were a couple things that really got me on my path. Mm -hmm. Now, I began as a software engineer back in the 90s and realized early on that I wanted to become a CTO. Early on, there was a moment when the very first company I joined had split in two. The founders have falling out mm -hmm. and both invited me to go with their halves. And that made me realize I have to make a decision and trying to understand how should I make this decision, it wasn't just about who is going to give me more money, but rather where is it taking me and creating a framework for evaluating that helped to get me on this path. As I was developing all the skills I talk about in the book for myself and later for my team, I found MIT was trying to put together a similar program and just reaching out to them offering to help led me down a path where I've now been teaching at MIT for 20 years as well as speaking and doing things related to the book in parallel to my career as a chief technology officer. So I've had a couple points that really just expanded how I looked at my opportunities. Okay. So what I love about this is that you recognized that you had choices and that in order to make great choices, not just have them made for you, you needed a process. And that's where all of this came from. That's fantastic. Um, and that you don't appear to sleep. It sounds like you get a lot done in the day. So productivity has a lot to do with it, I'm thinking. You know, I feel I am not as productive as people think. I probably watch a lot more TV than most people would expect. 
I just, when I am doing work, I'm probably pretty efficient when I'm doing it. Right. And that's the key, isn't it? We don't have to be working 24 seven, but while we're working, we need to be in that flow and productive with it. That's fantastic. Now I do want to just mention that you do a, a lot of work with nonprofits. Is there one that's near and dear to your heart? Plant a million corals in particular, because when I met the founder, Dr. David Vaughn, I and other people were talking to him. He was looking to retire. And when we heard that he knew how to fast grow coral, we all said to him, we need you. The world needs you. Please do something. He said, well, I don't know how to do the business side. I'm just a scientist. We said, we'll do that for you, but we need you with your scientific expertise to help repopulate the corals of the world because those are the cities of the oceans. Oh, I love that. That's fascinating. I didn't even know there was a Plant a Million Corals nonprofit, and I'm so happy to hear that there is and that you're part of it. That's fantastic. Here's another one. So here's the one I alluded to. With my dance background, I need to know how you got to be one of the top-ranked ballroom dancers in the country. The short version of the story is MIT has one of the biggest ballroom dance clubs and at the time, one of the biggest ballroom dance teams in the country. I got into the club at first, wound up dating a woman who was <laughs> also at MIT and she was a dancer, but not ballroom. So I got her into ballroom dancing. After a couple months, she decided she wanted to join the team and compete, which apparently meant I had also made the decision <laughs> that I wanted to join the team and compete. And I am very grateful that she took me down that path because throughout my 20s, I kept competing. And the great thing about ballroom dancing, it's not an NCAA sport, which meant it was open to not only students, not only undergrads, but grad students, staff, faculty, alum. Wow. And so I went all over the country competing. I competed on college circuits, but also adult circuits and went to a national championship for a number of years in a row. And it was just a wonderful time in my life. I, I don't compete anymore, but I do miss it very much. Uh, you know, ballroom dancing is just so beautiful. And I did it for a, a little bit, but it wasn't what I did when I mentioned that I, I used to dance. It was I was more classically trained with ballet and jazz and such. But I just think that's a great story. So now that we have a little bit about Mark the Man, let's dive into this book, The Career Toolkit. So tell us a little bit about it. And, I, and I'm guessing that the reason why you wrote it has to do with your story in the beginning about choices, but, but you share that with me. It does. So to go a little deeper into it, I recognize that to become a CTO, there were a number of skills that I needed, not just engineering skills, but leadership, communicating, team building, negotiating, and no one ever taught me these skills. Mm -hmm. So I set out to develop them in myself. I quickly realized these skills are not just for people in the C-suite. They are for everyone in the company, down to the most junior person. And they're for founders and they're really for everyone. So I began to upskill my team. Now, I briefly mentioned MIT around this time, they were doing surveys of companies who hire our students. And the companies came back and said, these are the skills we want to see not just in your students, not just in college students, in everyone we hire, we want to see these skills, but we can't find them. And I've seen similar research by other universities. So these are the universal skills. 
And that's what got our career success accelerator program started at MIT. So the skills themselves, there are 10 skills in three sections. Section one, careers, how to create and execute a career plan, how to work effectively, things like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture. Chapter three is on interviewing, not as a candidate, there's plenty of content out there for that, but many of us have to hire other people, our peers, our subordinates, and no one actually teaches us how to do that. It's critically important because we keep saying people are our most important asset. We better be very good in getting the right people. Then the second section, leadership and management, there's a chapter on leadership and then one on the people side of management and one on the process side of management. And those skills, again, are not just for people with a certain title. Leadership and management skills apply to everyone at every level. Mm -hmm. And then the third section, interpersonal dynamics, communication, networking, negotiation, and ethics. Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin, Mark. I have so many questions for you. I, I guess I guess I'll start with one main thing that stands out as being in alignment with one with our recent book, which is Where's the Office? And that has to do with this philosophy that um, leadership is not just for the leaders, it's more self-leadership, right? So can you define leadership as you see it and as you use it in the career toolkit? Great question. There's lots of definitions of leadership. And I'm going to give you two different ways to think about it. The first, the best quote I've ever heard on leadership comes from Admiral Grace Hopper, who said, nobody ever managed men into battle. And if you think about that quote, it doesn't tell you what leadership is, but you get a good sense of it. Now, the definition I use in my book is a leader needs to have a positive vision of the future and then have followers. Mm -hmm. That's it. Very simple definition. And, and that does then that because of the simplicity of it, it relates to it could literally be anyone within the organization, because as long as you have a vision and others are inspired to follow that vision, it applies. That's exactly right. Mm. So that's why it's a very good universal approach to leadership. That's fantastic. Now, I love to give our listeners things that they can take away right away. So are there things that, that people can practice that, get, that can help them with leadership, things that they can do each day? There are. And it's kind of obvious when you think about it. Now, I have a very popular blog post I wrote a couple of weeks back called Leadership is Not Atomic. Because most people think, well, there's a skill leadership. Mm. It's similar to playing a sport. I think of ballroom dancing. Ballroom dancing isn't this one step. It's a lot of different steps put together. Mm. Or if you think about playing basketball, it's shooting, it's passing, it's dribbling, it's rebounding. It's a whole bunch of things together. You don't just say, well, be a better basketball player without saying you have to work on each of these skills. And when it comes to leadership, there's no one, this is leadership, but it's a number of different skills. And what we want to do is when we get better at basketball, we practice each of those. We drill in shooting, we drill in passing. The same thing applies to becoming a better leader. Now, what are the skills that go into leadership? It depends on who you are and your leadership style. 
So what I recommend people do is think of a couple leaders you admire. These could be people you know personally. They might be people you admire from afar, maybe a, a politician, a business leader you don't know personally. It could even be a fictional leader. Dumbledore is one of my personal heroes. I love Obviously, him. he's not That's real. <laughs> Look at your leaders and ask yourself, what is it that you admire about each of these people? What are the things they do? What are their characteristics or attributes? And that's going to give you a list of skills. And those are the ones you can work to build. And as you build these skills, you build your overall leadership competency. You know, I love this because it, it does two different things here. It A, gets you to become aware of what, what types of leadership there is out there and which ones are you drawn to and why it gets you thinking about it. Uh, but then you get to choose, right? You get to say, all right, you know what? These are the ones I like. These are the ones that I want to emulate. And here's what I need to do. I, and I love including choice in all of this. Because the path is different for each of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. Now, you alluded to when you were going through the different chapters and things, something that I just had a question about from one of my clients this week. And that has to do with um, kind of managing up, managing your manager. Do you have some ideas for people? It begins by recognizing, again, each of us is different and unique. So here is a very simple idea and you can take this and expand it. There are certain managers who, when you want to bring her an idea, she's going to say, okay, come into my office. Let's talk through the idea. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to go back and forth on it. There are other managers, and these managers will say, if you have an idea, send me an email. Do a whole write-up. Send me an email. I want to read through it. Think about it. Then we can discuss it. Mm -hmm. Two different styles. Both are valid. But if you go to... That second person who prefers the email and you walk into her office and say, hey, I've got this great idea. Let me tell you all about it. Yeah. She says, oh, slow, slow down. I'm not ready to hear it. And she won't appreciate it. Like, hey, you're, you're interrupting me. This is not my time for hearing pitches. This is my time to do something else. She has perhaps a structured day. So you're engaging her in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Likewise, if you send a long email to that first person, she's going to say, no, I don't have time. I don't want to read the long email. I just want to go back and forth. So we recognize different managers have different styles. And what we want to do is engage that manager with the style she prefers. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one little tiny example of how do you communicate a new idea, but this applies to so many different things and how people behave, how they manage, how they engage with each other. And recognizing these different styles will allow us to best engage our manager or even our peers in ways they prefer and will be more receptive to. Okay. This is such good stuff. Listeners, are you paying attention here? Because this is great for any relationship that you want to improve. The suggestions that Mark is making right here to uh, enable you to have a, a better relationship, to be able to manage your manager in understanding their style and adapting to it in order to be heard, that applies to your clients, Mark mentioned to your peers, to uh, your significant other, to your kid, like literally it applies across the board when you want to communicate uh, understanding that you need to first 
know the person that you're communicating with style so that you can adjust so that they can hear you. That is great. Really good. And there are a whole bunch of techniques like that that I go through in the book because it's just recognizing how people like to work and matching that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that's really good stuff. Now you also um, in the book have some suggestions for people related to corporate politics. Do you have any thoughts on that that you'd like to share now? I do. And a lot of my thinking on corporate politics comes from a fantastic book called Survival of the Savvy that Mm -hmm. I reference in my book. Most importantly, we need to recognize politics isn't inherently bad. Now, I tend to be on the less political side of the spectrum, and politics has this connotation. We think, oh, it's, it's icky. Well, let's think about our governance politics, as in when we go and vote and elect leaders. Mm -hmm. We also happen to think that's icky, and it can be in some ways. Mm -hmm. But we can't just say, well, yeah, I don't like it. I'm not doing it. Some people choose that lifestyle. They say, well, I'm not going to vote. Okay, that's your right. But guess what? You don't get a voice in the process. By choosing not to vote, those of us who do have a larger say, and we have a say over you and you have lost your voice. And you might be comfortable with that in certain arenas. I'm not comfortable with that either politically for governance or within the company. I don't want to sit back and let other people make the decisions. I want my voice to be heard. So we have to engage with politics. Now, just again, like political governance, it's not all bad. We hear more stories about the bad people and the icky things they do. There's plenty of people who are quietly going along, doing their job, and politics is part of that. And they're deal-making and they're building coalitions and they're doing things that move forward, legitimate good agendas that benefit us all. And the same is true at work. So it begins by understanding politics is not inherently bad. It is a tool and it can be used in good ways and in bad ways. And once we come to that recognition, we're no longer scornful or fearful of the tool. Mm. And, you know, back to that choice, you don't want to give up your voice. So, so important. Now, you know, it's already flying by, but I really want to touch on career planning because it's such a big part of the career tool kit. And, and I, I know that there's different ways that people can use it. And I bet you can probably even give us some specifics on how someone listening might want to get started in creating one. There's a number of things I go into in chapter one, the career plan, but let's look at some of the high level. Now, first, if you don't know what you want to do, it begins by asking a series of questions. Questions such as, How much money do I want to make? Where do I want to live? What's the work-life balance that I want? And if you don't know what questions to ask, not only are they in the book, they're available on the resources page of my website that we'll bring up later. And so that can help you start to think through where are you trying to go? Now, the other thing we want to do is to create a plan. And most people, this is where they get stuck. They say, how do you figure out what's going to happen three, six, 10 years from now? It's too far ahead. Right. Imagine if in your job, your CEO said to you, here is a critical project we need to spend the next two years on, and I'm putting you in charge. Would you say, okay, critical, you got, 
I'll see you in two years. I'm just going to go wing it and I'll come back in two years and let's see if we made it. It's totally unacceptable. You would say, okay, I better create a project plan. Now, what do we know about this plan? We know it's never going to work out as you planned it. You're going to have to adjust. Mm -hmm. We also know day one, you don't know exactly what you're doing on day 537. You know what you're doing the next 30 days. You have some idea, maybe the next 90, but then it starts to get fuzzy. And that's okay. You're putting in placeholders. We should be at this point. We should be roughly here. Here are the milestones. That's what you want to do with your career. Think of that goal. Think of where you want to be in 10, 15, 20 years. And then what does that path look like? In the book, I go through how you can map out that path, how you can think through it in detail, and then recognize whatever you plan, it's not going to work out exactly. But just like our project plans, you can check in and you can say, okay, am I on plan, off plan? Do I need to adjust the plan? Have I changed my goals? All of that is acceptable. Not only can you, but you have to, right? In, in order to be effective in moving forward, you don't want to wait until you're so far off track. If you, if you do the check-ins um, fairly frequently, you'll be able uh, to have a, a somewhat straighter um, line from point A to point B. But what I really loved of what, about what you were talking about are these questions. And I think that questions and, and knowing the best questions help you in all facets of your business, your relationships. And I love that you have them available. So I think this is the perfect time to, for you to share how people can reach you. How can they find this list of questions that you mentioned? How can they find the book if they're so inspired? Tell us a little bit more about how they can reach you. You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can see where to buy the book. You can get in touch with me or follow me on social media. You can see more content. I put out new articles every week. There is a free app from the Android and iPhone stores, link from the website. And that has lots of the great advice in the book that will pop up as a daily notification on your phone to help you retain it and keep it top of mind. You just set the time, get the notification, swipe it away when you're done. Then there's the resources page. And on that page, I list other books I reference, including Survival of the Savvy that I mentioned earlier. I link to other free online resources if you want to go deeper on certain topics. And I have a number of free downloads, which includes that question, questions to bring up during an interview to learn about corporate culture, questions or, and plans, for example, to create corporate training programs on this completely free. So you can upskill not only yourself, but your entire department or company. All of that's on the resources page. And all of this is available at thecareertoolkitbook.com. Oh my gosh. I am so happy right now because I love to give our listeners things that they can use to get them going. You dip their toe in and you've just mentioned a a lot of things that they can take advantage of. So folks, take advantage of it. Go to the website. We'll put the link into the show notes along with more info about Mark's background, some other ways that you can reach him or find the book. Uh, this is fantastic, Mark. And unfortunately, we are coming to a close. So I have two questions for you. The first one is, has there ever been 
a difficulty, a challenge, a fear that you really learned something from, that would be awesome. And then you can close us out with your final parting words of wisdom. There have been many things uh, <laughs> where I have had a, a fear or problem where I've learned from, one of which, because we talked about it earlier, was office politics. And I early on said, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to ignore it. And I lost. I didn't have a voice and I was not heard. Mm -hmm. Other people were able to take advantage of the situation because I chose not to participate. So I had to learn to get better at that. And thank you, I've overcome it. And now it's still not a preferred channel. I'm still on the less political side of the spectrum, but I know how to use it when necessary. And of course, I try to use it only in good, ethical, appropriate ways. And you know, you learned that, you got better at it because you failed the first time, right? I mean, I think I just want people to understand that it is okay when you're moving forward to make those mistakes, to do what you may perceive to be is a failure, because it's not a failure if you learn the lesson and figure out how to move from where you are to where you want to go that much faster or better or differently. And that was a great one, Mark. Thank you. All right. Now, what do you want to make sure that our listeners walk away with either a nugget that they can use or a mindset shift? Here's a simple nugget. We talked earlier about creating career plans and how you need to come back and revise it. So as soon as this show ends, open up your phone, go to your calendar, create a calendar event that says, think about my career plan and set that as a recurring event every six months going forward. Now, if nothing else, at least twice a year, at least for 30 minutes, every six months, you're going to spend some time thinking about your career. You can do it more than that, but this is a floor. This makes sure you don't go more than six months without paying some attention to your career. I think it's brilliant. And all right, listen, listeners, do this. As soon as you stop this podcast, go put it into your phone, into your calendar. Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate the time and all the incredible nuggets that you shared with everyone. And I know everyone out there is probably chomping at the bit because they recognize there are so many more in that book and on your website. So I bet they're going to be going there too. Make sure to share it with a friend, folks, if you like this show. And we look forward to seeing some of those reviews too. Thanks and have a beautiful day.